Wake up, my sister Beth says. We won't make the first bus. At 6 a.m. on this winter morning, moonlight still bathes her apartment. She's already dressed. Grape juice-colored t-shirt and pistachio shorts with a purple Winnie the Pooh backpack slung over her shoulder. I struggle awake and into my clothes, black sweater, black leggings. Beth and I, both in our late 30s, were born 11 months apart, but we are different in more than age. She owns a wardrobe of blazingly bright colors and can leap out of bed before dawn. She is also a woman with mental retardation. I've come here to give Beth her holiday present. I've come to ride the buses. For six years, she has lived on her own. In her subsidized apartment, a few blocks off the main avenue of a gritty, medium-sized Pennsylvania city, each of her days could easily resemble the next. She has a lot of time, having been laid off from her job bussing tables at a fast-food restaurant. She has enough money to live on as a recipient of government assistance for people with disabilities. But Beth also has something else. Ingenuity. This trait isn't generally ascribed to people who live on the periphery of society's vision. Like indigent seniors, people with untreated mental illness, and the homeless, Beth is someone many people in the mainstream don't think much about or even see. Six months after she moved to her fifth-floor apartment, she realized that she was lonely and had consumed all the episodes of The Price is Right and All My Children that she could tolerate. So one day she decided to ride the buses. Not just to ride them the way most of us do, and which her aides had trained her to do a few years before. She wasn't interested in something as ordinary as getting from one location to another. She wanted to ride them her way. It was, Beth recalls, October 18, 1993, when, for reasons she cannot remember, she first picked her monthly bus pass off her coffee table. Then she pressed the first-floor button in her high-rise elevator, walked through the vestibule to the street, hailed a bus on the corner, climbed the steps toward the driver, settled into a seat, and looped through the city from dawn to dusk, trying out one run after another, bus to bus to bus. Soon she was riding a dozen a day, some for five minutes, others for hours, befriending drivers and passengers as she wound through the narrow streets of the city and its wreath of rolling hills. Within weeks, she could navigate anywhere within a ten-mile radius, and, by studying the shifting constellations of characters and the schedules posted weekly in the bus terminal, she could calculate who would be at precisely which intersection at any moment of any day. She staked out friendships all over the city, weaving her own traveling community. Beth's case manager had not suggested this, nor had Regis and Kathy Lee, nor even Beth's boyfriend. This idea was hers alone. We hurry down Main Street, the moon setting behind the buildings. My guide, whose fuzzy brown hair is still wet from her morning bath, points out the identifying numbers on bus shelters, the scowls of grouchy drivers. She wears no watch, telling time instead by the buses. We dart into the downtown McDonald's, already, at 6.30 a.m., filled with early risers, clusters of the elderly playing cards, solitary office workers bent over newspapers. Beth orders coffee, though she doesn't drink coffee, palming out the 84 cents before the server asks.